This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody, to episode 60 of Holland Assets. I am Craig, and I'm very excited because we're trying this again. There's a lot of noise outside the Take number the studio. two. Yeah, the, the jets are flying hardcore today, sir. Chris, welcome back. Good to be here. Today, we're talking about August financials and some other stuff. We've got some other stuff to go over in this episode. In fact, we uh, got a couple of uh, listener questions that we want to address, and these are the perfect episodes to do that uh, briefly because, you know, the financial stuff uh, it doesn't take too long usually. So after we get done with going over the numbers, stick around. We'll address a couple questions from Tim and Jason. So, uh Chris, how are things going out on the road? How was August? Before we get to the numbers, how was it generally? Um, August was a very another one of those very unique months, um, and we'll get a little bit into the why. Obviously, as the episode goes on, I, I don't want to maybe just a little bit of a tease, but don't want to get into it too much right here. So, unique, unique, and, and we'll explain. Okay, what well, you know, everybody's unique, Chris. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, but you were you mentioned to me there was some kind of crazy load. Yeah, this happened this month. This, or in well, August. it's actually just, it wasn't in August. It was, it, we're recording in September. Um, it was just this last weekend. So on Thursday or Friday, I can't remember which, Jake shoots me a text and says, Hey, I'm going to be Jake, Jake, the dispatcher. Jake the dis- my dispatcher, shoots okay. me a text on and says, Hey, I'm going to be completely off the grid on Saturday. Won't be able to handle anything, which, you know, seems to me okay because, and normally it would be, I think this is the second time in the last year and a half that he's, uh, he's, done that, which I'm perfectly fine with. Everybody's got to take a little bit of time off. And he's, he's all, he just asked me to kind of handle things. If I'd be around to handle things while he was gone, I said, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, um, he got a, he got a load. We had one to load delivering on Saturday and picking up another load on Saturday. So I was, I was just kind of on call in case something happened. Sure. Um, and lo and behold, when something like that happens, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Right. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, yeah pretty like much. Like jets flying overhead. Like jets flying overhead, yeah. Every time come. we try to record. That's all right. Yeah. It's, it's sound of freedom. That's right. Um, so anyway, I uh, was like, you know, okay, and so no no big deals. Well, Friday, as Jake is heading to the airport, he, he gives me a call and says, guess what? And you know something's going wrong. And he's like, as I'm leaving, as he's driving to the airport away from his computer, the broker on the load that we were supposed to pick up Saturday afternoon drops the load. I guess they didn't, the, the shipper didn't get enough of the product produced. And so they weren't going to able to, weren't, weren't able to ship it. Ooh. And so when so, you say they dropped the load, meaning they canceled, they canceled it. Got yeah. it. So anyway, I, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of scrambling to try to find something. Jake gives me the number to the broker. I call the broker just, you know, to kind of figure out what was going on. And he's, he's like, you know what, this one's dropped, but I think I might have another one that, that picks up Sunday instead of Saturday and goes to San Antonio instead of Dallas. And and I'm like, yeah, this is late notice. It's going to be hard to find a load on a Friday afternoon anyway. Well, actually by that time it was like Friday evening. And, and I said, okay, let's see if we can make that work. Long story short, he's able to make that one work. You know, so we, we have to sit half a day longer but it the and the load actually would deliver about the same time, so it wasn't too big of a deal. So anyway, um, Mike goes to pick up that load Sunday, um, about midday Sunday, and he picks it up. 
he's loaded before he's even supposed to be out and there's only five pallets on the load. And so Mike leaves the facility and stops and then gives, gives the broker a call just to verify, Hey, this isn't really quite matching up with what the load says it's supposed to be. So, so Mike does the right thing, calls the broker. Um, he, he's being nice to me. He doesn't even want to bother me. So he calls the broker and the broker says, okay, let me look into it to make a long story short. They'd put the wrong load on the truck oh. Oh. and the load wasn't even ready. And as I understand it, these crews are always really quick about loading and unloading oh, yeah. anyway, right? Yeah, so, they're all, it, yeah, it's no always problem. fantastic. So he, <laughs> he ends up having to go back, get that load taken off, and the and the brokers, it's not really the broker's fault at this part, point, and he's doing everything that he possibly can to kind of get things fixed. And he finds another load from the same shipper, says we can take it, but kind of leaves us just hanging almost all day. We're like constantly in contact with a guy trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and he's trying to get contact with the the manufacturer to, you know, get things figured out. Anyway, after like Mike sitting pretty much at that place almost all day long, uh, you know, we're probably into it like seven or eight hours. He finally gets loaded with another load that now is taking him from, um, it, it, it's it's on the coast in North Carolina to Atlanta. So it's just kind of a little short load, but they paid us some truck not used, which is really nice, some mm-hmm. layover, layover since we ended up being there for almost a, a day longer than we were supposed to and, and, and got a, and they paid us pretty decent on that load going to Atlanta. So all in all, it ends up working outright, but you know, this is just kind of one of the things that's just super frustrating. You know, Mike and I spent way longer on Sunday fig, trying to figure out what was going on and Saturday uh, you know, taking up my weekend, you know, taking up Mike's day, not being able to run as hard as he would have been able to otherwise, and just frustrating on on both ends. And you know, that's just one of the things you kind of have to deal with in the trucking world. You, you're always going to have loads that do that. You're going to have shippers and brokers that do that too. And it's just, it gets to be super frustrating, but you know, it, it, it's unfortunately kind of part of life. I guess we'll see next month whether some of those uh, fees that you recouped will uh, you know, take care of your September financials. Yeah, we'll see. Everybody can stay tuned. <laughs> I guess so. More to this story well, to be continued. <laughs> so, Chris, you wanted to start before we get into the the August numbers by talking about the market, right? Because you said this was such a unique month, and it was what the market that made it so unique. There, there is some unique stuff going on right now. I, I think you know enough people. There was enough things that happened, you know, because. Of, COVID and volatility that a lot of the big trucking companies have kind of pared down their, their truck count a little bit, their driver count a little bit, trying to trim the fat some. So rates have actually through, um, really all of August and all of September so far have been really good. And I would even say this is the strongest rate market we have seen, um, especially for this time of year in the last couple of years. Hmm. Interesting for 2020. Yeah. So it's good. It's good news. If you're on in the spot market, which most owner operators are going to be getting a lot of loads from the spot market, it's it's a pretty good market right now. And do you you expect that to hold for the rest of the year? I think it's going to hold for the rest of the year. Usually, the I mean, the end quarter, of the year is yeah, is strong. The big push, it's always typically pretty strong. So, I anticipate it's gonna it's gonna do that. And you're going to see that in the August numbers that we're going to talk about today. The the rate per mile, the all in rate is is really really good. Yeah. Speaking of uh, fourth quarter. Are you excited for all this uh, Amazon distribution that's coming in here in Salt Lake? Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy how big of a change it's going to make. We're going to... It's going to be a lot of stuff coming in and out of here, right? A lot of stuff, I think, yeah. All right, so should we uh, get into 
the numbers for August then? Let's do it. All right. So where do you want to start with this? We start with generally total miles run. Normally you do what? 10 to 12,000. Normally you do 10 to 12,000. So how was August? Um, 4,764. That's low. That is very low. <laughs> and there's a reason, really low. there's a reason for it. Well, there's one part of the uniqueness, That's, I guess. Well, this is, this is really where the uniqueness kind of so comes in. Mike take a vacation or um, what was going on? Not intentionally. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he did take a vacation, but not on purpose. Okay. Um, the engine blew again. Oh, jeez. Can you can you believe so, that? Uh, it's eight so months. It's less, yeah, less than a hundred thousand miles since the engine got rebuilt. Um, end of last November, early December. Yeah. And um, it started acting really funny again. Uh, the end of August, first part of or in the beginning of end of July, beginning of August. And just started um, having issues with the pressure in the uh, the cooling system. So Mike get he, he was able to kind of limp it into town, and we we got it home and took it to um, the Peterbilt here in Salt Lake. And lo and behold, they uh, when the engine was rebuilt, they didn't seat the cylinder sleeves right, oh. and it completely blew the engine again. That would do it. That would do it. Oh yeah. my gosh. It was bad. So to make a long story short, we were off the road for two weeks, but we got this time, instead of a rebuild, we got a completely remanufactured engine. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, because you were, that was about 10 months ago, you had that rebuilt. Was there any sort of warranty on that rebuild yeah, that you had? Yeah. Uh, that, that's why it got, it It was the remanufactured engine was not because of, I mean, it was who ended up paying it's pack car either way. Right. Um, so they, they ended up just replacing it, but yeah, it was complete, complete replacement. So not, not a brand new, brand new engine, but they, you know, from the factory yeah. remanufactured, um, but pack car says so, basically take this, leave us alone. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I don't want to hear from you anymore. Yeah. Whole new block, whole new head, pretty much everything wow. on it, except for, you know, some of the ancillary parts like the turbo and everything still they're, they're reusing that stuff. But so how long was the truck down? About two weeks. Oof. Ouch. It's about half the month. Okay. And it happened right, you know, it happened right at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I think it was like the last day of August when we came into town. Okay. So that, so that was the beginning of, you wait, the last, last day, day of, of July. July sorry. Okay. Yeah, so it was right at the beginning August. of August. So yep. I know we're going to get to the other numbers here in just a moment, but I'm curious now, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do as an employer when you've got Mike, who's earning money by the mile and he's sitting for two weeks? Is there anything that you as an employer do for him or do you just say, Hey, tough luck. I'll get it back to you when I can. No, I, and this is kind of where, you know, in, in full transparency with the numbers, I, I kept paying Mike, um, kind of on the side with my other business because, um, I just don't have the time, the resources and the ability to go out and find another driver. It's probably not what your normal owner operator would do, but you know, in all reality, in this kind of a situation, you know, with one truck, you really, you're not going to be like me. That's ha hiring a driver. Typically you're going right. to still be driving the truck. And so, you know, if, if you have three or four trucks and one of them goes down, then you can usually kind of work things. You know, if you either have a bad driver you want to get rid of, or, um, you can kind of rotate drivers through. So everybody still kind of gets their miles. But in this situation, I kind of paid him. So the, the, uh, Mike's payroll for the, for the two weeks that he, he was out is not going to show up in the profit loss statement. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it'll, I just kinda, it'll be I as just though kinda, he sat. It, it'll be as though he sat. There was no revenue that came in, but I didn't, 
incur any driver expense for those two weeks because I covered it outside of Holland Assets. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. So you ran 4,700 miles. Uh, what was your deadhead? It was only 199. So that's about 4%. And I think that's probably the lowest deadhead miles I've ever had in a month. Yeah. You're usually trying to keep it five to seven, right? Yeah. If you can, if but you get it around five, usually is see great. You eight to 10. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll vary from 10 to five. So, you know, going under 5%, that 4%, that's actually a really good uh, number of deadhead. So what'd that get you in terms of revenue? Total revenue was $12,440 and one cent. And one cent. And one cent. Got to count them all. Yeah. Chris, Chris counts every red cent. You better believe it. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to think back to other months. Definitely lower. Uh, obviously, running only 4,000 miles, that's a lower income. That's Almost a lower five. revenue. Almost 5,000 miles. Right. Okay. Call it, call it 5,000 miles. I round up. But what did that get you rate per mile? So, the rate per mile... If you just take the raw numbers, is two dollars and fifty one cents, which is huge. Whoa, yeah. But that's that number is skewed just a little bit because um, the revenue numbers count a twenty six hundred dollar load that came in that that paid like the second of September. Oh, so it's okay. delivered for August. For, or, yeah, I, I'm getting my months mixed mixed, <laughs> mixed up. I can't speak. You know, you Good need thing to sleep, you're here to Chris. Keep you straight. You need to. You just you own too many businesses. I Go guess sleep. so. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. You've got a couch here. Can I just hang out after we're done? <laughs> you may not. <laughs> so anyway, the twenty six hundred dollars was that that run was really all the miles were ran in July, but it paid like the first day or two of August. So so uh, if you take so that, that out, affected July's numbers quite a bit as well, well as August's it, numbers. It kind of skewed the mileage numbers in July then made July's rate per mile a little bit lower. A little than lower. It. But, yeah. but because July was a full month, it didn't have as much of an impact. Right. Because August is such a short month, it had a really big impact on the August and, rate per mile. Yeah. Not only is August a shorter month than July on the calendar, but also you were off the road for two weeks, yeah. which means that it had an even greater percentage uh, impact on that bottom line uh, for absolutely. the month. Absolutely. So if you back that number out, it takes it closer to $1.98. Okay, so, which is still, which is still great. really good. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take a dollar ninety-eight. We can make money at that all day long. Okay, fantastic. So that so you're on the road for half a month. Yeah, I'm assuming you counted the days, but uh, you know, about two weeks out on the road, right? Yeah, roughly. So if you if you look at it, he Mike was on the road eight full days and three days off. So it's actually a little bit less because he three days off or three days partial. Three days partial. Sorry partial. about that. Okay, yeah. eight full days, three partial days, so eleven days total on the road. Um, which is actually more like closer to a third of the month, but the, and that's because we that we got the truck back around the just I think it was about the twentieth, eighteenth, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly. And then he ran till I think the twenty eighth and was off for a few days and then started back. Just up went in, like crazy. Yeah, yeah, September. Uh, okay. So what did you end up realizing as far as a profit for uh, August? Uh, did believe, you? We did actually, believe it or not, just, you know, because expenses were so low and I, and I paid Mike under the table uh, for those two, two weeks that he was, uh, not under the table. Legally, legal. it legally was legal, under, it was, under the legal table. It was under the legal table, but not part of Holland Assets. Holland numbers. Assets does not uh, condone any sort of illegal activity. <laughs> yeah. Are you a lawyer too? Uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> yeah. We might not be able to be friends anymore. <laughs> uh, okay. So you did realize a profit of how much? Two thousand one hundred thirty-six dollars and ninety-three cents. Not bad. Not okay. bad. It's not 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 a terrible month. So let me ask you this: because even I, if even if I would have paid, that's that's pretty close to 
Mike's wage. So even if I would have had to pay it, it would have been, we probably would have been pretty oh, close to a break even. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Your situation is unique uh, or at least uncommon with all these other businesses that you run. And so somebody who is in uh, that owner operator position where they're just starting up their small fleet and they run into something like this, it is feasible. It is possible that you could uh, help your mic out for some or all of the wages that he might have missed out on. Yeah, um, probably. Assuming you've been saving and, yeah. you know, for the rainy day and all that. Well, and, and on top of that, I mean, a lot of the times, I mean, it's quite like with contractors. I've, I've never done this, but I'm, I'm sure you could. I mean, you can essentially lay a guy off for two weeks. You can collect unemployment for two weeks, which oh, obviously nice. isn't as much money. Right. 60% or yeah. whatever. I, I don't like to go that route. So we just kind of paid him. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So should we talk about anything big on the P&L and the balance sheet? Obviously, the P&L is going to have some repairs on there, some crazy repair costs. Yeah. There was one big repair cost. The the engine rebuild is like a $35,000 Oh, but that's obviously that covered. Care that. But they, they did, when they were pulling it apart, there's a, a piece of the exhaust. I, I think it's the part that goes right past the turbo. That it, It's... Uh, the exhaust tube, but it's got some really crazy insulation on it to keep the turbo cool. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but anyway, that was cracked and had to be replaced. It's it's this dumb pipe that's seriously like maybe 18 inches long with a couple elbows on it. Let me guess. Let me guess. It's uh, $14,000. Um, about a tenth of that, but that's still okay. a lot of money, about 1400 bucks. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and plus there was an ABS light that they, they had to work on. And so ended up being about I think seventeen hundred dollars. I, I should pull it up right now. I could I could tell you but So that the, that's a huge that's a huge repair expense then that, between those two. Yeah yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's going to, is that showing but up the 17, in this month? Yes. So the seventeen hundred dollars I had to pay for because it was a, a part unrelated to the breakdown. Okay. And it's something that's not covered under the warranty. So but is that going to show up in your August numbers or yes, September? It, it shows it's in the P and L in August. Okay. All right. So uh, anything else from the P&L that you want to pull out as uh, interesting for people to look at? Um, one thing I just want to point out real quick, you for those of you who are really astute, you'll notice, you, you'll know that in August, you typically have to pay your 2290, which is the heavy vehicle highway use tax. Okay. And for an 80,000 pound truck, it's $550. Well, me being um, the cheap guy that I am. Counting every liking, penny, Chris. Counting every penny and not liking to give the government my money any sooner than I have to. <laughs> I waited till the very last day to make the payment. Of so course. the 31st of August, I made the payment. So it, it's not actually going to show up until oh, really? September numbers. Okay. Because it doesn't hit the bank it statement until ba- yeah. September. It, yep. Gotcha. Okay. So that's going to show up. That's going to mess with your September numbers. It'll mess with the September numbers a little bit. But, you know, government's not going to get my money any sooner than, they, than they're entitled to it. <laughs> I'm not going to pay my bills ahead of time for Dude, them. You no, know, that would be irresponsible, Chris. <laughs> that would be irresponsible. <laughs> so I do want to remind everybody, if you want to see these numbers that we're talking about, uh, you'll see a few of them in the show notes. Uh, some of the highlights, we always put the highlights in the show notes. But then you can see the full uh, profit and loss statement, the full balance sheet over at hollandassetsllc.com. That's hollandassetsllc.com. And then right there on the front page, you'll see a little button there that says episodes, and you can see a full list of every episode we've ever made and all of the show notes and documents and things there for you to peruse. I just wanted to remind people of that. Okay, so anything else with the numbers you want to go through, Chris? Um, just one quick one quick thing I want to point out on the balance sheet. 
So if you remember, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, um, prepaid expenses. Sure. You know, this is kind of going with the accrual accounting um, system where I, with my IRP payment, I make that once a year. IRP. So my re- in, in international registration plan, my license plate fee. Okay. Um, it usually comes out somewhere around between sixteen and nineteen hundred dollars. Um, but instead of just making that an expense that hits a, a big, huge expense that hits on a one month, when you use accrual based accounting, you can spread that out over the entire year. So even though I make the payment in September of every year. I spread the um, the actual expense out among 12 months, so it's a li- more like a little less than 200 bucks a month. But then that um, amount that's still owed, the balance that's in there is going to show up on the balance sheet under prepaid expenses. And you'll notice that this month it's zero because I paid off. Because you were done. I was done, and, and, and I'll actually in September make the next payment for the next year, and so you'll see that balance go way back up. So you'll see a zero in the August balance sheet, but in September you'll see something close to somewhere between 16 and 1900 bucks. Okay. Uh, interesting. Anomalies, man. Anomalies. I, I have learned more about accounting from talking to you, Chris, than I did in that accounting course that I failed in college. <laughs> more than you'd ever want to learn. Right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, Chris, you feel good about the numbers? I feel good. Yeah. Okay. So again, That's go it. check out the numbers, follow along. Uh, you can go listen to the last 15 minutes of this podcast again with the numbers in front of you if you'd like. Uh, for now, though, we're going to jump over to some listener questions. And I do want to tell everybody you can submit your questions as well you find us on facebook just search holland assets no g holland assets on facebook or again hollandassetsllc.com go to those episodes uh, the show notes and there are comment sections under those you could sim- can submit questions there we would love to hear from you either place yep i i, and I read all of them um, sometimes I'm usually able to respond within a week, sometimes a couple of days that usually don't go go longer than a week, but I, I I do always respond to all of them. Yeah. And uh ooh, let me throw one more out there, Chris. Okay. Go to iTunes or whatever it's called these days, Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Absolutely. It might not be the best place to leave a super specific question, but if there is something, you know, broad that you'd like us to address or, you know, some direction you want us to take the show, uh, you can do it there. And hey, while you're there, leave a five-star review. That'd uh, be great. Uh, we we appreciate each and every one of those. It helps us out quite a bit. It does. All right. So who do you want to take on first, Chris? Um, let's go with Tim M. So Tim, where did Tim comment? Do you remember? Was this on um, the website? His was the website, yes. Okay. So what did Tim ask? He Should we just read it verbatim? It's sure. a little bit long. Yeah. Go. Uh, you want me to do it? Go for Tim it. asks, I can get my head wrapped around most of it. Then I get to mechanics and repairs, and it's a true mental block. It stops there, period. I can't get past that. Or it seems most of the drives I've, drivers I've spoken with are all the time working on their trucks themselves to the point where they know as much about working on one as driving one. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> and this is a hang-up for me. I'm mechanically okay, but I'm no mechanic. How do you navigate this as a new guy? Can you expand on this topic or am I just overthinking things? I, I think, you know, to answer that last little bit overthinking it, I, I don't know that I'd say he's overthinking it a little bit, but I think he's probably giving it a little bit too much credence. You know, the, the importance of being a mechanic or, or really being a good, decent mechanic and a driver. Most owner operators will have some mechanical, I, I wouldn't say background, but competency. Sure. Uh, but a lot of them learn that over time. 
you know, they, they learn their truck. You know, it's not like they just, they have that same mechanical aptitude the day they started out as an owner operator. Yeah. So it's, it's important, but I don't think it's critical. Let me, let me see how you feel about this. It's, um, there are guys who are out there tinkering with their engines all the time because that's what they know how to do. Uh, and, or I, I'm assuming, you know, I know how to do this. I can do it myself. And so I'm not going to pay somebody to, to go in and do that. That's one way to approach it. And it's not necessarily the wrong way. However, another way to think about it is, look, you're an owner operator. You own a business. You have other things with your time that you could be doing. And so even if it does cost you a few bucks to send it to the mechanic, there are other things you can be doing as far as uh, building relationships, finding, uh, you know, direct loads or whatever, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You've got to put a, a time value to your money and or a, a, a money value to your time. And a lot of the times there's other things you can be doing that in the long run are going to be more valuable to your business. Yeah. Okay. But with that being said, you know, I, I still do think, uh, especially if you're out on the road, I mean, there's only so many things you can be doing at any given time. You can only drive so many hours. You've got to be off duty, you know, a certain amount of time. Um, you know, you, you may have a, a, a reset or, or something else, or maybe you just enjoy working on your truck. But you, you take me, for example, and I think I'm probably a lot like Tim because I am mechanically inclined, but I'm definitely not a mechanic. You know, I can, I can find simple problems, but I'm not going to find the complicated stuff. I can repair mud flaps. I can fix lights. Um, I can fix window washers. I, I replaced the window washer reservoir on the truck. You know, I can do congratulations, yeah, by the way, that's one of the more challenging yeah, things like out there. Two bolts and <laughs> unhooking a hose and a wire. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, but that, that's my point. You know, I can do the easy stuff. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm mechanically inclined, but I leave the big stuff to the pros. Yeah. I don't handle that. And, and even with there's, there's help out there with the little stuff, you'd be surprised how much stuff is on YouTube, even when it comes to diesel trucks, um, guys will post stuff on YouTube, how to do simple repairs and even some of the maintenance things, you know, I've, I've, there's, I've watched maintenance videos on how to do a PM on a reefer unit. I mean, there's, there's lots of things you can do that if you're just mechanically inclined and, uh, you can watch YouTube videos, you'll be able to handle. Yeah. Yeah. And as somebody who makes his living on YouTube can confirm there's a lot of stuff out there there. yeah it's Uh, and it's it's really a lot of that stuff is is things anybody can do and it will help you it'll give you a little bit of an advantage um but it's not critical it's not like you have to be a mechanic to be able to be a good owner operator right okay very good so i hope we address that question for you tim if you have any follow-ups you know where to find us all right so let's head over to jason uh jason do you know where this one came in this one came from the website. Or no, this one the other one was the website. This one came from Facebook. From Facebook. All Just right. a message. It was a Facebook message right straight to me. And uh, again, I, I try to respond to most of those. Perfect. All right. So Jason says, love your podcast. Thank you, Jason. Uh, how about a show on the medium to long term outlook on the trucking industry with electric trucks and autonomous driving? Is this the end of the owner operator? I would hate to jump in now just as the industry uh, for the owner operator crashes. Ooh, that's a big, that's a big that's, question right there. That's heavy. I know it's making me sweat a little bit. Yeah. The, very good question. And it's really honestly a topic that's on a lot of people's minds right now. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had a crystal ball, <laughs> but I don't. Okay. Um, with that being said, I think you'd be an ostrich with your head in the stand. If you said that, uh, things weren't going to change, but changes are coming. 
when will they come? That's kind of the big question. But I, I think it's going to be at least five or 10 years before we really see big, significant changes. And it's not like it's all going to happen at once. You take, right. for example, the autonomous driving thing. You're not just going to go from drivers sitting in every truck to, um, a, you know, no drivers at all and the the, the trucks being 100% autonomous. There's going to be a transition, a transition period. period. Yeah. And that's going to take some time too. You take, for example... You're not going to go all the way, like I said, from no driver, from a driver 100% of the time to no driver. You're probably going to go from you know a driver hanging out in the cab while the truck's driving down the freeway and then having to get in and take control of the truck when um, when you go off the freeway and drive right. through cities and you know load and unload and, and that kind of thing. So you know, you're still going to have drivers. These changes are going to be transitional. Right. Um, so l- let me... Let me throw another thing out there and you can respond to this. We're talking about how to start a trucking company. We've been doing that for 60 episodes now. Uh, like and subscribe, everybody. Can you tell I'm a YouTuber? <laughs> um, and it's, it, but the thing that I've been impressed by as the guy who sits across from you, the expert, and asks you questions is how it, this isn't necessarily just a show about how to run a trucking company. This is a show about how to run a business. And if you take the principles that you're learning here and apply them in your trucking company uh, for the next five to 10 years, and then the the market shifts out from under you and you feel like, oh, you know what? This isn't quite the industry that it once was. I want to go do something else. Guess what? Now you've got savings and skills and preparedness to go out and, and do something else. I but, mean, you're a serial entrepreneur, Chris. And yeah. You you take the same principles that you've learned in one place and apply them in another, and watch them work their magic. That's a good point. I hadn't really uh, I hadn't really thought about, but that's absolutely 100 percent true. You can you can gain a good good skill set over the next five or ten years, learn those business principles, and, and you can take that and and run a completely different kind of business. I mean, you know. The, the principles that are associated with one business versus another business oftentimes are about 90% the same from one industry to the other. There's only a 10% change in the difference, the different uh, principles within the different, within different industries. Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So anything else you want to address there with Jason's question? Um, yeah. Let's talk just a little bit about you know, he, he talks about, is this the end of the owner operator? And I, and I really don't think it is. I think it will change and you're going to have to adapt. And those guys who are able to adapt are the ones that are going to find opportunities. Anytime mm-hmm. there's big changes within an industry, there's always opportunities. Um, but it's the ones that adapt to those opportunities that are able to capitalize on them. The guys who just kind of keep going the same are going to be the ones that typically are pushed out of business. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a cousin who uh, joined the Air Force, wanted to be a fighter pilot. And uh, they said, yeah, I don't know if we need any more of those, but you want to pilot this drone? And so you get this, uh, you know, unmanned aerial vehicle that you think, oh, well, where are all the pilots? Well, they're just sitting behind a computer now. It's just a little different. Like the owner operator still has to operate a machine. They just operate it differently than they once did. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing that kind of makes me feel that that's how the, the direction is going to go, there's still going to be owner operators, there's still going to be small trucking companies, is because for the most part, shippers and manufacturers want to be able to focus on what they do well. And trucking is not what they do well. They're good at manufacturing and and producing a product. And so they are going to want to keep focusing on that instead of 
diverting resources, like resources in time and money to running a trekking company, they're going to want to keep and continue to divert their resources towards what they're good at and focus on that. That's the way most businesses operate is they focus on, you know, one or two things that they're really, really good at their core competencies and then let other experts handle the other things that they need help with. And that's the same thing's going to happen. I think even when you go to a more autonomous trucking industry, you know, you're still going to have small trucking companies out there that are going to fill that gap for shippers and receivers because they're the shippers and receivers. Like I said, they're not going to want to spend a ton of money on trucks. They're not going to want to spend a ton of time managing a fleet because they would rather put their money and their resources into what they do well. Yeah. And every time there's a, a shift, you go back, read some history books about uh, technological shifts and those who are willing to adapt to those shifts put themselves in a very nice financial position, or at least they can. Absolutely. Yeah, high risk, high reward, potentially. Yeah. So yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Embrace change. Right, Chris? You know, that's a cliche, but it's very true. I mean, there's so <laughs> yeah. much truth to it. It's guys that can embrace that and go with the change and even, you know, foresee the change a little bit and be ahead of the curve to a certain extent are really going to do well. All right. Well, Jason and Tim, thank you so much for the questions. Uh, I, I hope we didn't go too long. It was about 10 minutes of addressing questions, and I hope people find that valuable and go and ask their own questions as well. So hollandassetsllc.com submit your questions in the show notes facebook just search holland assets and we would love to hear from you there chris any parting thoughts i think i think we're going to see some good things in trekking over the the rest of the year i'm, I'm excited about how things are going right now and um, let's keep our fingers crossed that it, it continues this way into 2021 we could sure use a good year <laughs> here here all of us all right thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next see you next time see you then